I'm Ari Meglin here with Rachel Cooley and we're your hosts for the Merry Writer podcast. We are on episode 31 and this week's question is how do you choose which story to write? Before we begin as always don't forget to subscribe to the podcast wherever you're listening so you never miss a show and if you enjoy our episode please give it a like. So we're talking about stories and which ones to write. And I have to say, I am one of those people who gets bombarded with new ideas constantly. In fact, over the last three days, I've had five new story ideas that I've been scribbling down on my phone. And I'm sure there's probably some people listening who really hate me right now, because I do know there are people who who don't get lots of ideas straight away and they have to do a lot of brainstorming and thought and thinking about different ideas. So yeah, I can appreciate there are people who probably hate me. But honestly, getting a lot of ideas isn't always as good as it sounds because you can get overwhelmed and then you can have that decision issue of like, oh my God, what should I do? They're like lots of little children chuttering for, for your attention and you just don't know where to give your attention to at that time. So yeah, it's not always a positive. I actually, I think I've mentioned this on previous episodes, but I actually have a story idea list. And I've actually cut it down fairly recently, but it used to have well over 100 stories on there. And this was when I was in elementary school or middle school, and I just kept on coming up with all these ideas. Or I would just have a thought and say, oh, that would be a really cool title. And I would just write it down. And I'm like, okay, this is going to turn into a 20 book series. And this can be a standalone, but it'll probably turn into like five books. And I just had this, like, it was like a packet this list it was color-coded it was beautiful so I do understand where like I kind of envy the people who have a hard time with ideas because right now I have so many that yeah it's hard to choose between which ones you should write and which ones should take priority over the others and also which ones people would actually want to read (laughs) yes and I have to say I am so pleased that I'm not the only one who when I was growing up wrote down titles that I liked without any idea of what the story was going to be. It was just like, oh, I like these two words. I'll shove them together. That'll make a great title. And they just just sit there in a spreadsheet. (laughs) And I don't even think I went back to them to find titles for for stories I've been writing. So I don't know why I keep them, but it's like, oh yeah, I really like those. So I am kind of glad I'm not alone. No, you're not the only one. (laughs) Good to have those little ideas because you never know when you might use them. You could exactly. be another 20 years from now, but you never know. I, I have to say, I have had the same as yourself where I've had ideas from when I was a lot younger and I've kind of kept them. I have tried to go through and, and like cut some of them out thinking I'm not that person anymore and that won't work. But then that little part of my brain goes, well, you never know. You might be able to twist it or chop it up or make it, you know, the, make it something better. Just, just leave it. So they just, they never go. It's like being in a wild garden that's just completely overgrown. And you just keep thinking, eventually I'll make it look nice. Eventually I'll get it organized and I'll be able to see the pond and, you know, the vegetable patch rather than this massive overgrown mess, which is what the ideas feel like. Well, honestly, I think it's the idea of having so many ideas that makes you feel productive. Even though you're not actually writing anything, even though you're not actually tending to your flower garden, the the thought is there and the idea is there and it feels good. Yes. For some reason, we just get some sort of a high off of that. And 
and nothing ever comes of it. <laughs> I think it's the worry because some people worry that they're never going to have enough ideas. And it's like, you know, once you've come up with an idea, that's it. One idea, you'll never come up with anything else. So with us having so many, there is that kind of good part where you think, hey, yeah, you know, I've got enough to, to do me forever. Seriously, I don't even think I'd have enough years in my life, even if I lived to be 100, to write all the, the story ideas down, especially because I'm actively not doing that at the moment. I was going to say, not at the rate we write books. I mean, no, it's like <laughs> we need to write like three a year forever <laughs> to even come close to doing that. But yeah, no, no. Yeah. So, and this is, this is technically why we chose this question regarding which story should you write because we are bombarded with lots we are overwhelmed and we don't have all the time in the world with that said when i decide to choose a story i think the main option comes from the one with the biggest pull and by that i mean the one that i wake up thinking about that bombards me when i'm doing the dishes or driving the car the one that seems to that I want to know how it ends. I want to know where these characters are going. It could be a really small fractional spark of an idea, but it's enough to make me think, yeah, I, w- I, wanna, I wanna go on this journey. I wanna know where, where it ends. That is the one I think I, I mostly turn to when I'm really struggling. That makes a lot of sense. And that actually kind of ties into my point because for me, I just, sometimes when I can't decide what to write, I just write whatever I'm in the mood for. And having a story with the biggest pull that you're the most interested in, obviously that's a good thing. Because as a writer, if if you're not interested in your story, then your readers aren't going to be interested in your story. Yeah. And that's actually how I figured out that I really enjoyed writing Cozy Mysteries because that was the one story that I didn't lose interest on over time. I mean, I've been writing it for 11 years, which is an obnoxious amount of time but I'm still interested in it and I'm still excited to get going with it. And every time I sit down to write it, I get really excited and happy when I'm doing it, even though it's frustrating, (laughs) but you know, it it really, it makes a difference when there's that one story that you really, really care about and you're just excited to write. Yeah. It doesn't even have to be like a massive idea. It doesn't have to be fully formed or anything. I find the ones with the biggest pull can literally be, a really small idea that's just burning away and, and kind of slowly trying to grow. So it doesn't, it doesn't even need to be this like, oh yes, I've got all the plans and the world and the characters. It's like, nope, it's, it's whatever really makes you think, yeah, this is going to be good. I want to read this. But I like how you said about like, you didn't, you know, that you got into causing mysteries from, from that. Because it's like, I think if you're a new writer, sometimes people kind of get caught up in the, well, I should write this, or this is what's trending. And they might not even enjoy it that much, but they kind of get caught up with the idea of it, or it's like something that's really popular right now is fairy tale retellings, which is great, and I don't care if there's loads more because I really like them. But I've, I've seen writers sort of like try to jump on that bandwagon, and they didn't even seem to have the same passion for it. Maybe they had a passion for something that was not as popular, and it's like, well, if that's what's really making you excited to write, do that. It doesn't matter if you think there's no audience for it. It should, you should definitely be writing for yourself. You should definitely be writing for what you're in the mood to read, 
even if nobody else is at that time. And to be fair, we often think that nobody's in the mood to read it because that's not supposedly popular anymore. It's not trending on Amazon. But honestly, there's always somebody willing to read these different books. The ones that people are like, oh, no, no, vampires are gone now. And sci-fi is boring. Nobody wants to read that anymore. Everyone's on teen dystopia. And it's like, no, no, not everybody is. And there'll always be others. So just definitely go for the one that like you you're definitely in the mood for the one you feel pulled towards yeah you have to write for yourself you have to do what makes you excited and i mean i know that they whoever they is <laughs> i know they say you can't sit around and wait for inspiration to start writing or anything like that but honestly if you're in the middle of one book and you get inspired or you're in the mood to write something else go ahead with that new idea this isn't a race i know we act like it we do act like writing a novel is a race and that we have like serious deadlines. And I guess if you have a publisher and an editor, then yes, you do have deadlines, but I don't. So for me, I'm just going to go, go with the flow and whatever I'm in the mood to write, that's what I'm going to do. <laughs> End yeah. of story. And I, I agree that it's like, you can get frustrated and overwhelmed with the story and people are like, oh, you should just push through. And yeah, I suppose if you constantly story hopped, then you might never get anything finished. <coughs> But to be honest, if you're forcing yourself to write something that you're growing more and more weary with, because maybe you've burnt out, maybe you've overdone it, maybe you just need to step away, but you've got this kind of, no, no, got to keep writing, got to write every day, got to write this story, got to get it finished. You could end up ruining a good story idea rather than just taking a break. And I, I am like that. I, I do like to jump to another story. If the first one's stagnating, if I've hit a plot hole, if I'm not feeling it at that moment I will jump to another story I won't stop the other one I'll just jump to something else just to get a bit of fresh ideas to keep the creativity going and then when I find I go back to the first one usually the creative well's full again and I can carry on and I think that's important I don't think you should kind of just like well you started it so you have to finish it you know without a doubt and, and immediately and not even looking at anything else and I know that's a piece of advice that gets thrown around and I have to say <laughs> I don't agree <laughs> making me off sound effects now <laughs> great <laughs> yeah because editing sucks so if you force yourself to write something that you're not in the mood for then you're gonna have a lot of editing ahead of you and that's oh. no fun oh no yeah could you mostly like editing but who who likes editing seriously i don't know it's a hit or miss for me <laughs> some days i get really into it and other days i'm just like mm, no <laughs> Which I think is part of the reason why I have so many ideas, because once I finish one draft, I'm like, do I really want to edit this? Mm, no. Let's move on to something else. I avoid editing like the plague. It's awful. <laughs> but that means you're going to end up with a load of, of stories that are all written and just need editing. And it's going to have to be like, oh, my only job now is just edit, 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 edit. Yep. Which is horrible because it's technically finding all the mistakes you've made and nobody wants to see that. Yep. <laughs> Okay, moving on. How else do I choose a story to write? I also go with strongest characters. Sometimes I won't have even a nugget of a plot. I will literally just have a character idea. I'll have dropped them into a random situation and they'll have done something or said something and I'll be like, yes, this is a good character. I like this character. I want to know what the heck they're doing. I'm, I'm going to throw them into other interesting situations and, you know, maybe kill off their friends and things like that. You know, like you have to. And I will always follow strong characters over strong plots. So, which is, thankfully is good because I, I seem to have more strong characters than strong plots. I have an issue. I need to fix some. I think I need to fix some weak plots. 
No, I think I'm the same way, though. I think out of my stories, my characters are stronger than my plots. Yeah, I think that's important to think about. But, I mean, a strong plot is good because it carries you along for the ride. But at the same time, you know, we're we're human and we always have that kind of connectivity. We always strive for that connectivity. And you connect with characters, not plots. Right. You relate to characters, you relate to situations, you relate to the emotional turmoil and the joy and all that stuff. You don't do that with like, you know, oh my God, it's a really good journey. It's like, it's not, <laughs> it's not the same. So I think that's why I, I always do lean towards strong, strong characters. Yeah. Well, plus having imaginary friends are fun. Definitely. That's the bottom line. <laughs> <laughs> and if they're telling you, you need to write our story, then yeah, you got to listen to them because otherwise they're just going to be nagging you forever and ever oh so true so true which actually brings me to my next point because there are sometimes when if i don't know what to write i'll try to work on what i've already started or what i've been working on the longest and what i've been working on the longest i'll say it again i've been working on my mystery for 11 years and not to toot my own horn but i think that story does have some of my strongest characters in it that i've ever written and i think that's part of the reason why I go back to it. It's because of the characters and I, I just enjoy writing with them. And that's probably why I've been working on it for so long. Cause I can't let things go. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, I am exactly the same because we're, we're both very similar. You've been writing your, um, your mystery one for years and you've got like a, it's like a long series, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And I've been writing my preternatural urban fantasy for years. And it's sort of expanded from a, a five book to about a, 30 if I ever get it sorted (laughs) and I have to say I I actually I want to ask you a question that I've never asked and I feel like such a dick for never asking what is the series title or the does it it have a series title or a book title for the first one of your of your series yeah all the titles um it's changed over the years but all the titles as of right now are George Florence but yeah as of right now like all the titles they're George Florence and whatever the book is about because originally George was the protagonist and he was the POV character so it used to be like Detective Florence or something like that but then Lila decided she wanted the spotlight so she's the protagonist but he's still like the title character because he's the detective yeah yeah no that makes sense we'll see how it goes (laughs) (laughs) with that I think that leads quite nicely to my next point which is I will often try and write the story with the most major scene points and the reason that is actually a segue is because when you write stories as long as me and Rachel have been writing them you have a lot of scene points and to me a scene point is because I don't write chapters I write scenes it is it's the points on a graph it's the points that lead you from A to B to C to D and they could be like four in a, in a novel it could be like just the, the you know like the incited incident the midpoint you know, the rising action, whatever. So if I've got a story where I've got at least a few of those major scene points either written or their ideas are pretty solid in my head, then that is definitely a story I'd want to try and write. Because I think if you've got your major scene points, if you've got your points on a graph, it's a lot easier to build on that and create a strong plot and to sort of create your arcs and your subplots. I'll be honest, I don't often have that (laughs) I'm if I'm lucky I will have I will have maybe two major scene points and then by the end of the story that I've written those two scene points will have been butchered and changed to something else but at least they got me to start well that's the thing I mean you can look at what you already have and what's flushed out the most 
And then you can just kind of roll with that and say, oh, well, I already made it this far. Maybe if I have this extra little what if moment, I can just roll with it and keep going. Yeah. I think having a, a major scene point, if you have a scene where, you know, X character dies, I'm always killing characters off, then you have an idea that the scene before that will have to be how that happened, what led up to them dying. And the scene after that is how people are reacting and what happens in the, in the, in the plot. What does that death do to the plot? You know, does it rally everyone? Does it break everyone? Is it completely unknown? Something. So I think by having a major scene, it helps you to build up because you can kind of, if you sort of step sideways and go, right, well, what happened before? What happened after? Okay, then what happened before that? And what happened after? And it, that's how you build it up. So that, I think that's why I, I like those because I'm not the best at plotting because I still get angry with plots and I still have those really like, you know, those um, midpoint dips, you know, the sagging midpoint. So having major scene points just gives me a better chance of writing a decent plot. <laughs> I'm plotting it well. I think that was well said though, because I never really thought of it that way before. Because <laughs> see, you write in scenes, I write by chapter. So, and I also outline my stories. So whatever happens in the previous chapter, chapter I have to think okay well you know what comes after this what are the characters doing now how did chapter three change things for chapter four and so on and so forth and again I normally have this outlined already and I don't follow it exactly to a T depending on what the characters actually do within the story but I have a general idea so I don't necessarily think about like the major plot points not until I edit for the most part. Like I have a list of questions that I need to have answered by the end of the story and things like that. And I try to worm them in there wherever I can. And sometimes it works seamlessly and other times I have to really think about it. So I don't. And then I put off editing some more. Now we're reverting back to the editing. So I really enjoy the fact that you actually think about your novels, about the strong characters, about the scenes and the plot points and everything like that. Me, if I don't know what to write, I'll choose at random or I'll ask my sister. <laughs> I'll say, hey, what should I work on today? And she'll pick one for me. Or I'll go on random.org and, you know, pick out a couple of stories and like roll the dice or whatever and just go with it. <laughs> sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But yeah, you know. I like that though. It's kind of, if you are really, really stuck and like they all either have equal merit or none of them are pulling you deeply enough. I think that's a good thing to do then, having like a, a, a dice roll or having someone you can bounce the ideas off because that person, because obviously you, you live in your ideas all the time, at least I do. They just, they churn and churn. So you're forever seeing them. Whereas you talk to somebody else who's completely like separate from that and they go, oh wow, such, a, such an idea is brilliant. And you're like, oh, is it? Because it just, it just mixes with everything else. So I think that's a really good idea, having someone outside of yourself to sort of give you advice about that. Yeah, that, that's actually a good point because sometimes I'll ask my sister, I'll say, should I write this or this? And then sometimes she'll ask follow-up questions like, well, how far along are you on this one and that one and the other? And then I'll normally, I'll end up gravitate towards talking about one over the other. And then she'll usually say, okay, well, that's your answer you seem to be more into that idea than the other one and then yeah and then I'll probably write a couple of sentences and then switch over to the other one <laughs> trial and error people if you don't know what to write just pick a story and if you're not into it just move on to the next one and just go down the <laughs> and that is a great segue into the next point 
which is what do you do with all those currently unwritten ideas and now i always call them sparks i've heard people call them seeds they're like the tiny little concepts that aren't fully formed they you may have the odd character you may have the odd plot idea but they're they're still in the growth phase because i have known some writers where they've had a couple of ideas they picked one and discarded the others and i do mean like gone not written down not kept and honestly it gave me palpitations <laughs> because i can't do that i have story ideas from when i was like eight that is still written down just in case you know in case you were a genius at that age and it's like it'll be the, the booker prize story idea that you just didn't realize <laughs> that'll be the one that does you in it'll it'll be on the bestsellers list <laughs> exactly so what do you do with your with your sparks they collect dust <laughs> I mean, as I said earlier, I have a list of story ideas to write. And if I'm in the mood to start something new, or I just don't know what to write, and I need something totally different and fresh from what I typically write, I'll go to that list and I'll either pick one at random, or I'll just read through the titles and whichever one seems to jump out at me the most, I'll go with it. But for the most part, they, they do. They're on my computer. They're on that list. So you keep them on pure. Yeah, I have random notes and ideas listed about, but they're, they're just waiting for me. That maybe in fifty years I'll get to them. <laughs> so you never, you never like discard ideas. Oh God, no. I know, right? It's so weird that people do that. Even bad. I've had some bad ideas where it's like, oh, gosh, that's awful, and they're still um, unable to say and delete. You know, just no, no, just oh, in yeah. case. I have notes of like dialogue lines whether it's like a quick conversation or like just one line i'm like oh one of my characters in one of my stories might be able to say this at some point <laughs> that is so true i have that just random and it doesn't mean any it's not even like a wow that piece of dialogue was like the best speech ever it's just a really random line <laughs> and i think it's hilarious and like my readers will totally crack up at this <laughs> provided i give the right character to say it <laughs> yeah that's it it's it's it's, it's there waiting for its home and then yeah. uh, oh no <laughs> Oh, I love it. I love it. I, I have the same. I have a folder. Um, um, I have a folder that's called Sparks and it literally has random ideas that I used to try and break them up. It's like maybe sci-fi, maybe crime. And I don't even do that anymore because sometimes you look and you think, I wouldn't have a clue. This could, this could fit in historical fiction, could fit in sci-fi. So it's just like lots of little documents with, you know, idea, random idea. I have the dialogue. Same thing. <laughs> I have the exact same thing. I have a folder on my Dropbox that just says novel ideas and I click it and there's like all these, and some of the documents, there'll be a list of ideas or, you know, they'll have like actual stuff in the document. And then there are other documents. I'll click it and it's like three words. <laughs> and I'm like, what is this supposed to mean? So that, all right, follow up question. When you look at your ideas and you read something and you're like, I don't know what this is for. I don't know when I wrote this. I don't know what this means. Will you still keep that? I always know when I write things because I always date them. I am that sad. And then I get upset if I look and it's like, oh, look, it's 2002. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I have, I have in the past like scribbled a note on my phone and then come to it like a week later going, what, what is that? It's like just three words and it's like, no idea. But in case the idea comes back, I do leave it just in case. I, I don't delete those either. <laughs> All right, yeah, fair enough. I do the same thing. 
I'm like, I don't know what this means, but I might be able to use it for something, whether it's the original idea or if I think of something else for it. That's it. It's like the muse might come and whack you on the back of the head at the right time when you're reading it and you're like, oh, that's what it was for. Brilliant. Here's the whole novel. Exactly. You, you just can't risk it, you know. It's, uh... No, you can't. When I go, when I inevitably go, I feel bad for the person who has to go through my computer. <laughs> my partner said he just won't. He will just delete it without looking because he would just get swallowed up by the oh. void of, of, of mess that's in there. There's like swirling vortex of, of novel ideas. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Either that or I'll have, I'll, you know, maybe at that point technology will be so advanced that I'll be able to like set up a time for it to delete itself so that way nobody can steal my idea. <laughs> my brilliant, glorious ideas. <laughs> Those pieces of dialogue that are just, yes. you know, absolute pure gold and someone tried to steal them. <laughs> yep. <laughs> no, what, what is actually going to happen, Rachel, is that we'll have written all of these ideas We'll have multiple books to our name. We'll have used everything and there won't be any need to go through it because they'll all be in book form. That's <laughs> right. When I forget that. Can't keep a straight face saying that. Totally um, going to say it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, with that said, I think we should, we'll end it here <laughs> because I, I think we'll just end up going round and round in circles with other possible ideas. <laughs> we'll end it here. You're welcome. <laughs> We do hope you enjoyed this episode and as always do let us know how you choose your stories to work on. Put them in the comments or on Twitter using the hashtag the Merry Writer Podcast. Side note, we should actually check that hashtag because I keep forgetting to check it in case people are actually responding to it. Once in a while I remember. <laughs> if you want to get some extra content, head over to our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash the Merry Writer Podcast. You can support our show for as little as one dollar a month and get some extra bonus content, including mini episodes, photos, bloopers, and all that good stuff. Tune in next week for another episode of the Merry Writer Podcast where we ask all the right questions. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. This podcast is brought to you by Reams of Paper. We're killing trees. The music, titled Inspired, is by Kevin MacLeod, licensed under Creative Commons 4.0.